1: Well, welcome back, listeners. Um, today, we're going to take a little bit of a departure from the normal way that I've been operating, and this will be more of a conversation back and forth rather than an interview format. I'm here today with Marianne Francesi. Marianne holds an MA in drama therapy from NYU and is a, is a licensed creative arts therapist in New York State, serving children and families for over 25 years. She founded Spark Elementary School, where she pioneered a holistic educational model for the development of an inspired life. Her spiritual path has included the joy of studying with Native and Mesoamerican indigenous healers. She comes from a lineage of Italian medicine women and honors the heart-to-heart practices of the Green Strega. She is a mother of four children, a poet, and the author of a book called Sacred Weave of Mothering. So, Marianne, welcome to the podcast today. So nice to have you here.
0: Oh, thank you, Bob, for having me.
1: My pleasure. So we have a topic that we're going to discuss today, which is what happens in the interface between Indigenous or non-Western and Western healing methods? How do they, how do they, we'll discuss how they differ and how they can combine together in something unique and something that is, is actually effective. So let's start, if you don't mind, with an understanding of what drama therapy is all about and what creative arts therapy is and, and how it relates to this healing process.
0: Well, it, it is. there are many, many forms, right, of psychotherapy and counseling. And what I find very moving about the creative arts therapies is I do believe that it is a modality that can integrate the spiritual aspect of healing because what what is at the heart of spirituality creation and there is a piece of the method that allows for, especially in drama therapy, which is my specialization, the embodiment. It is not just talking about something that may be bothering you, but it is, it's moving into an action method that allows you to fully embody and then transcend through the process of the drama and the dramatization. So it is this weave of mind, of making meaning um, intellectually, seeing patterns of body, the embodiment of where it lives in your body, the personification, the role-taking, and then this aspect of transcendence and completion that truly is part of the spiritual realm
1: wow well we've got a lot there to um, unpack before we get any further (laughs) okay so so let's let's start with the goal and then i want to unpack the those three aspects that you just described so let's start let's start with the goal in mind say i come to you as a client what is it that we're trying to do together
0: well it is it's an exploration right and ultimately it is to be able to expand your role repertoire right to be able to embrace all aspects of a role that you might be proud of but also the shadow sides the counter role and so when you when we're beginning to integrate to to take on to hold without judgment role, counter role. Within that process, there is an integrating force at work, a guide. And it's the development of this guide. And part of the way that I like to see it is like we have our our feeling Mind we have which we have our rational mind, and then we have our wise mind. And from these three, the interaction of these three places within us, we begin to make sense, embrace, and um, understand the fullness of who we are. And it's very much in line with hero's journey, actually. Mm -hmm. And one of the main premises that was developed in role theory by Robert Landy was this look at if you're a hero on a journey, you are going to encounter an obstacle right and the transcendence of that obstacle comes with the help of a guide so this these three roles are alive in us in all circumstances and the obstacle is never rejected because the obstacle can ultimately lead you to your heart's destiny and the information and the learning that comes from understanding and reversing roles and embodying the obstacle allows for this moving forward on this journey.
1: So if I want to, I'm just trying to, I, I want to get back to this this point of why why drama therapy? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think that psychotherapy in general is widely known enough by our listeners for people to understand why they would undergo that but why drama therapy?
0: Right. And, and that is actually, you know, a very personal kind of question for me, it comes closest to the, uh, ritual of healing that is in all our lineages at some point. When I was at NYU, there was, um, a woman in my cohort she was from africa and from a young age she was chosen to be a medicine woman and as part of her initiation she was going through the initiation she felt that she wanted to bring this kind of healing forward to the mainstream so she made the decision to come to nyu and learn drama therapy because she felt that it would give her legitimacy but it was also closest to these roots of healing Mm -hmm. and as i worked with her through the years we were there together she said to me at one point she said I, she being a medicine woman who was using drama therapy to bring it forward, she said to me, you are actually a medicine woman who is using drama therapy to cover up that aspect of you. (laughs) That would like radically shifted something in me because she was right. It was like that bell went off of, I come from a lineage of healing women folk healers, but that I, what am I going to do with that? Mm -hmm. Like, I can't do anything. So I'll call myself a drama therapist and then I can integrate these other practices.
1: You're a covert operative.
0: I know. So I'm like, so it literally has been the last 25 years, Bob, that I am trying to bring my medicine woman out of the closet, but drama therapy has certainly, um, help me to do that because at its foundation is this sense of um healing within the the different roles that create sacred space so part of it is creating a space the stage is a very sacred space just as the therapy room is a very sacred space and so it allows for this um, kind of reverence for the fullness of being human. Mm -hmm. And in bringing forward that truth of being human, it then allows for individual connections, group connections, and slowly we're building this kind of web that cradles community. So that's my attraction to it. It, so, it has this ability to create community.
1: Yeah. I'm just curious if the people who come to you as, as clients are people who have an interest in drama professionally, or are they people who understand this and, and choose it as a form of therapy because they they embrace the story part of it?
0: Well, and yes, and that's a bit of the confusion. Many, many times people will say, oh, is this for actors and actresses? Right, exactly. (laughs) So anybody who has been involved with theater understands the therapeutic value of theater, right? Mm -hmm. They felt it. They feel the ensemble and the healing. This is not necessarily for actors and actresses. It works very, very well with children because they're natural players Mm -hmm. and role takers and so it is a beautiful modality for children but it really is for anyone who is interested in moving beyond this understanding of what truly makes them whole moving beyond like the neck up Mm -hmm. like okay i can understand the patterns i can rationalize it all but i can't seem to shift my story right and there is something about the embodiment and the retelling and the imagining of alternatives played out that then allows there to be shifts in actual behavior. And so it it, it is something that depending on what someone is comfortable, not everyone who comes to my office do I have them enrolled? Sometimes it's just this theoretical way of approaching the narrative, of holding the story that um, is played out. But sometimes it is enacted, and then it it takes on a whole other level. But that, depending on where you you know, like with any um, therapeutic situation, you work with where someone's at, and then move from there.
1: So let's just quickly unpack the three terms that you started out with. So the making of meaning that has to do with mind, the embodiment, which is finding this in the body, and transcendence, mm-hmm. if you don't mind. Let's yeah. start with that, and then we're going to look at how, how it fits into the healing process.
0: Okay. So let's say someone is coming in with a struggle around food, right? So I am, you know, I can't help it. Every time I am sad, I just eat sugar. I go back to eating like I was a child. And we can unpack that and look at that based on history and what rules were made around food, if food was used as reinforcement, if food is identified as love. This is all within the mind realm. But we can then say, okay, so let's say that there is this part of you that is your sugar demon that just wants to eat sugar, 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 sugar. Let's put that in a chair. And let's begin to talk to it. What do you want? What do you want sugar demon? I want candy. <laughs> okay. What do you need? What do you need? Why do you want candy? What is the need? I, I, I need to feel happy. I need to feel cozy. I need to feel loved. Ah, you need to feel loved. So now what would happen if you actually were given love if you could feel that happiness how do you think that would make you feel oh uh good i guess all right so let's feed you some of that let's let's give that to you and these roles are being played back and forth so you're you're embodying both the one who is trying to understand the sugar demon and the one who then reverses roles and becomes the sugar demon. There is this dialogue going back and forth. And then there can be, once the sugar demon gets what they need, wow, does it begin to transform? Let's see what happens. What does it transform into? Can it become an ally? You are now an ally and that can be played out. Now, that's kind of in this um, imaginative, very concrete realm. And then there is this integration of the ally. So what has Sugar Demon turned into? It has turned into um, a, a garden fairy who's there with me and takes me into the garden every time I'm looking for my sweet treat. So it is almost like warm up. You're warming up with the story, what's in your mind, enactment, you're acting it out, you're personifying, you're you're working through. And then closure, which is the integration of how do we bring this now forward into your life? so everything has the initiation it's very much that kind of spiritual process you initiate you walk through this gate into the imaginal realm you've gained some insight you leave the imaginal realm come back and how does this now change the way you approach your day beautiful on the spot so do you think i've got a sugar demon i do <laughs> definitely have been working I on.
1: i didn't that. even know that
0: i do i thought
1: you had somebody else in mind <laughs>
0: <laughs> i have a personal sugar that <laughs> is very active during covid
1: well let me let me compare this with something that i know which is um how we use some of these same principles in curanderismo mm. and you know in the the work the studies that i did the in my apprenticeship with elena avila uh who wrote woman who glows in the dark as you probably know she used a lot of creative arts therapy in the way that she practiced curanderismo Mm. so the parallels that i would draw are that number one she used a lot of the ideas of art therapy in um the construction of altars so that would be a creative arts approach. Um, and she used very much a drama approach in the way that things um, were enacted, even yeah. to the point of using masks during transformation. Um, yeah. And as you say, this embodiment, this, this sense that, that um, the change is found in the body. And that's much easier to do when you're acting something out.
0: And what we love to do as human beings, what we do naturally is we project. We project our unconscious onto things. So to be able to create a mask, and that gives you more distance than just embodying, right? Mm -hmm. I am going to create this mask of my sugar demon now gives me some distance and I'm able to project onto it all these unconscious thoughts and feelings that I might not have had access to by just talking about it. Mm -hmm. It sort of takes... A spontaneity arises, and I think that's what she was really going with: is that the creative process puts us in the flow. Yeah, it is a process that integrates things, so we're not censoring ourselves so much.
1: Yeah, and the other thing that it does is that it disengages the conscious mind
0: mm-hmm. to let
1: the other than conscious have its part, its uh, its healing part. Mm-hmm. You know, because particularly what I find, particularly with people who are too much in their head, is that that very conscious process of wanting to understand stands in the way of transformation.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, there it also can create when you're just coming from the head, a certain as if sense of self. So it's almost like you're in the therapy session talking and it can feel performative. I'm kind of saying the things that my therapist, you know, might want to hear or that I want to project. And, and it is difficult to really feel centered in the fullness and complexity of being human there's yeah. so many layers, right? I've heard you say, Bob, it is like peeling away the onion, like layer upon layer. And the creative process allows that to happen in um, a more exciting way, I think.
1: Well, definitely. And I, what, what also comes to me is that that if you were to ask me a question about some process, some aspect of my life mm-hmm. that is dysfunctional. I might answer with what I think I'm supposed to say.
0: Yes, exactly. exactly. Whereas
1: if I'm I'm acting, it's like it takes it out of me. Oh, well, this isn't necessarily saying something bad about me. I'm playing mm-hmm. a part or I'm it's creating protective. a piece of art. This is my artwork that I'm creating with my crayons or my pencils or my paints. And so if it's
0: lucky enough spirit kind of takes over and yeah. you are just going with it and all that thought gets quieted and you can experience a moment of transcendence just in that ah oh, i don't have to think <laughs> much. It could just be
1: exactly so Marianne, I think this is a perfect time for us to end our first session because we're going to, we'll be building on this in our next one. That so Marianne Francese, let me thank you so much for being here for interview part one.
0: Thank you, Bob.
1: And thank you everyone for listening.
0: This has been Healing and Spirituality in World Cultures with Robert Vetter. Thanks for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and share with everyone you know who might benefit from these messages. Until next time, remember, be kind and loving to yourself and others. Together, we can heal ourselves and help build a better world.